With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The volume. Hi, everybody, and welcome in to the Thursday morning podcast. My buddy Jason Timpf. We're going to just talk about the Lakers' loss, talk about the Draymond Green suspension, and a host of other things about the NBA. Jason. Hoops Tonight, podcaster at The Volume, does a great job. Some really cool new stuff about The Volume coming up in about seven or eight days, too. So I saw the story where Tua, quarterback Miami Dolphins, acknowledged and admitted that he strongly considered retirement this past year when he dealt with concussions. And that's something, had it happened to me, it happened to a family member, you should consider retirement. You know, we get into these things in sports these tunnels where everybody's afraid to get canceled and called out. And, and so people don't acknowledge stuff, which is like obvious. And I felt like three or four years ago when I brought up that Kyler Murray was a little too small for my taste or that size mattered at quarterback, I got a lot of pushback on this stuff. And it's like, now can we all admit it that Bryce Young's size is a little concerning out of Alabama and it should be? that Tua is small, and Jalen Hurts is not ideal, though I wouldn't classify him as small. He's been dinged up. And that Baker Mayfield, I you know, for a number one pick, Baker's six feet tall uh, and not a great athlete. Tried to size up a safety after an interception, banged on his shoulder, got hurt, never the same quarterback. We have to be honest about this stuff, is that Mahomes – and Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence, and Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. These are bigger than average men. It matters. Go look at the list of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Your John Elways, your Brady's, your Peyton Manning's, your Big Ben's, your Joe Montana's, and Steve Young's. Not a lot of 5'10 guys there. So, and I think it's a, I think it's a real concern about Bryce Young. It's why there's a quarterback for Tennessee that may go in the second round, Hendon Hooker. The knock on him is that he he had an ACL injury, but he's a big, strong kid who throws a beautiful football. He may be your best bet. He may be your best bet in this draft. I don't know that to be true, but he is big. He's strong. He's got a big arm. And, you know, he's older, so he's a more mature kid, right, than your average 21, 22-year-old quarterback coming in. He's He's, you know, he's been around a while. So this stuff with Tua is, you know, he's got an extension possibility coming up. I, I just, I, I couldn't give it to him. I just couldn't. You know, I, the way I look at Tua, great kid, great high school and college career, limitations at the pro level. And I said, we're to a point now where the media is not going to give you a pass on concussions. And not only are they not going to give you a pass, concussions, the opinions will be swift They'll be punitive. And I think the Miami Dolphins, if Tua has a concussion, you can't play him for a month minimum. 
I mean, if third week of the year, September concussion, if you play them before Thanksgiving, you're going to get hammered by people. It's the one injury where the media is relentless and no company wants to get banged on by the media for eight to 10 weeks. They don't. All right. So it's a bummer. Like some guys, you know, I've seen it at every position in the NFL. Some guys are built for high school and college. It's not quite built for the NFL. And I, I, I don't know if Tua is. I mean, he has admitted before. Now he's admitting he thought about retirement, and he's admitted before he struggles at times to see over the offensive line. It's okay. We can acknowledge this, right? Like it's, a, it's, a, it's an adult conversation now. And it's why Sean Payton came on my show and said, be very, very careful about not going prototype in the first 10 to 15 picks. Do not get a, an offensive tackle that's 6'2 or 6'3. Got to be 6'5 and a half minimum. You know, don't take a small corner. Don't take a smaller quarterback. So I think the Dolphins are in a really tricky situation. Tua is a really good guy. They want to protect him. They should. Tua also needs to be protected like most pro athletes from themselves because they're all competitors and all want to play. But that news that Tua considered retirement, how do you not consider that if you're the Miami Dolphins going forward? How do you not? The NBA playoffs are upon us. 20 teams get in all trying to get that one crown. For last-minute amazing deals to watch your favorite NBA team, it can be the Warriors, it could be the Kings, it could be the Sixers, it could be the Bucks. to get great last-minute deals on amazing tickets, check out GameTime, the fastest-growing ticketing app in the United States. It's called GameTime. doesn't stop, by the way, with the NBA. They've got NHL tickets. Major League Baseball tickets. They've also got concerts and comedy shows. Game Time. Download the Game Time app and the redeem code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N. $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download the Game Time app. Enter the code Colin, C-O-L-I-N for $20 off. NBA playoffs, baseball season just starting here in April, NHL as well. No matter where you live, get out, have some fun this week and this year. Download the Game Time app, last minute ticket deals, lowest prices guaranteed. Alan, how are you, man? Well, we saw, I think any Laker fan saw it coming. Like, you got to win in Memphis. Energy was low early, and this team isn't, you know, they're not Sacramento young. Uh, they're not, you know, they're one of those teams like they got to be engaged. Like, because LeBron over the last two or three years really lets the game come to him. He, I mean, the first quarters for LeBron, it's like a boxer in the first three rounds. Like, he feels the game out, right? He's basically hoping somebody else does the heavy lifting early. He's conserving energy. So when Anthony Davis can't hit shots and LeBron's sort of working his way into a game and it's like, oh, we trail by 15. Okay. <laughs> like that's where the game became very quickly. Yeah, you, you put it perfectly. Every Laker fan saw this coming. This has been, a, you know, the, the, this Lakers season has been such a bizarre journey, Colin, 
because everyone's going to focus on the fact that they've been really good since the deadline. And they have. And like yeah. so good that they've deserved the attention that they've received in a way that they may not have deserved the attention they received in the previous year and a half. It was more of just like everyone right. watching the ship crash and burn, you know. But there have been two really interesting stretches this season that I think are very, very um, – under under discussed, I should say, to get the Lakers where they were. There's a stretch where LeBron James missed extended time and Anthony Davis carried the team. Uh, actually, two stretches like that, but the big one, the foot issue towards the end of the year. And then there was the stretch where Anthony Davis missed, missed a ton of time and LeBron James stepped in. And in each of those stretches, LeBron and AD, the one that was available, put forth incredibly desperate basketball that playing at the absolute top of their games to drag the team to wins just to float things long enough until the trade deadline could happen or until LeBron James could return, right? And every single time there has been a return, they've collectively exhaled and and they don't play well as the favorite is basically what I'm saying. When when LeBron James came right. back, they immediately lost to Chicago because they didn't think they had to play as hard as they did. They lost that desperation. And yeah. this game, textbook, they go out there in game one, they dominate that game, and it was... I, I heard a lot of people saying it wasn't as close as it looked. I agree. But did anybody think Memphis was winning game one? Or did it feel like the Lakers controlled it throughout? They controlled it throughout, right? But then after that game, they flipped from being a slight underdog in the series to being a slight favorite in the series. Then John Morant's out. And LeBron James and Anthony Davis are two players that like to do the absolute bare minimum to win basketball games. They tried that tonight, and that's a young, scrappy Memphis team that's always played super well at home. They played super physical and really bothered the Lakers, particularly around the rim, and they got a big win. Well, the other thing is they're a better defensive team, Memphis is, when Jaw's not on the floor. And the ball moves better. And, and I've said this before. I, I said it today on FS1. I said uh, flashy point guards like sports cars. They're not built for bad weather or a, or a trip cross country, but God, they're fun. <laughs> really fun. Trey Young. I'll throw even Steph Curry in. Steph Curry. Uh, Trey Young. John Wall. Uh, John Morant. Derek Rose. They are players that get exposed defensively. They're usually a little, I mean, they're, um, they're all a little thin, a little light. Uh, Westbrook was more stocky, but again, he plays defense when he feels like it. But when you get these John Morant type players, is they're exhilarating and you ball movement slows down. You kind of stare, you kind of watch Derrick Rose perform, watch John Wall, and they're not great. They give you so much energy on the offensive end. They don't give you a ton on the defensive end. Now, Steph Curry and the Warriors, they've built a team. Draymond, Clay, when he was a great defender, they bring in Gary Payton. They see his weaknesses and they build around him. But when I watch Memphis, and I've seen this now three years, Tyus Jones plays better defense. I've seen this the last, you know, 10 times that he's played. They're a better defensive team. He's not a great scorer. But the forwards and the wings move the ball really, really, really well. And, and by the way, I remember John Wall years ago uh, missing games for the Wizards. Where they won like nine or ten straight. It doesn't mean Wall's not great. But, you know, everybody then feels like when the flashy point guard's out, hey, I'm going to get touches tonight. Like, I'm going to be included in this game plan. And you really want to play well showing the coaches, okay, when the guy comes back, I, I want touches. And I think Memphis tonight played a lot of energy. Moved it really, really well. Everybody, um, just the ball moves better. And it's not a knock on John Rent. He's exhilarating. But I see this sometimes even with the Warriors. Like, 
sometimes if 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 Draymond's not setting screens, it's a lot of guys watching Steph do his, you know, Harlem Globetrotter ball movement flying around. And I just I looked at Memphis tonight and I'm like, they're a good team without Jaw. They're a different team, but they're a good team without him. The way you broke it down is perfect. Like it's there's a there's a there's a baseline kind of like fundamental list of things that if you do well as a basketball team, you have a chance to win no matter what, right? Like even without a top tier superstar, if you can protect the rim really well, if you compete really hard in all of the effort and energy yes. parts of the game, like sliding your yes. feet defensively on the perimeter, beating guys to the uh, uh, to the rim on help situations, uh, crashing the offensive glass, crashing the defensive glass, just by playing super hard and having a couple of baseline pieces that you need you can win in the NBA, especially since a lot of these NBA players are good. Like we t- we spent a lot of time talking about role players and their shortcomings, but a lot of these guys were all conference dudes in college and right. guys who averaged 25, 30 points a game in high school. So if you give them closeout situations, even against good NBA defenses, they're going to be able to score. And so if you don't guard the ball and you give give up dribble penetration and guys are attacking closeouts all night long, they're going to score. That's why, like honestly, from a schematic standpoint, watching this game, I remain extremely confident that the Lakers are going to win the series. The only thing that really stood out to me schematically was the Jared Vanderbilt problem. And it's not it's two it's twofold. Half of it is Jared Vanderbilt and the fact that he's such a non-threat offensively that Memphis can stick Jared yeah. Jackson on him and just muck everything up underneath the basket. But the flip side of it right. is Rui Hachimura is ascending in front of us. This is something that has right. we've seen the two twenty point point game the two twenty plus point games in this series, but it actually extends backwards a few weeks now. His original his initial tenure with the Lakers uh, went a little bit rough. He got moved to the bench after the trade, but Phil Handy's been working with him relentlessly before games and in practice on polishing up some things in his skill set. He's been working with Darvin Ham really hard to find little areas of the game where he can impact the game defensively. He's become kind of a sneaky, solid help defender under the rim, blocking shots, grabbing contested rebounds. They they're gonna he's big. He's big. He's huge. They're gonna slide him into that starting lineup at some point in this playoff run. Maybe even in game yeah. three of this series. And I think they're going to cut way back on Jared Vanderbilt's minutes. That was really the only schematic thing that bothered me, uh, or concerned me, I should say, about the Lakers. Yeah, but I, I, I will say um, they didn't play well, started slow, were on the road. AD didn't give you much offensively. And they were in the game with two minutes to go. Um, I, you know, I, I, I mean, when the Knicks play poorly, they get rolled. Miami, not even Giannis on the floor tonight, getting rolled. Lakers were on the road without or with John Morant. Memphis is a very upper echelon team, and they competed, and they really didn't play their best basketball. It was like, um, I, I since the trade, I think they're a much more competitive team. I think they have more options. I, I like I watched the night, and I thought you could very early. It's like it's not going to be their night. It's not going to be their night. But they competed. They hung in the game. You know, it wasn't a blowout. They were, you know, there was a little brief moment with about four and a half, five left. You're like, oh, okay, we got it. It's six. So I, I, my takeaway is go back home, win both games. Jaw's not going to be playing much in this series. And and the faster you can close it out, the better. Because this is, this is, LeBron James is old and you can see it. Like he can't go seven game series or they'll pay for it next series. Yeah, I I think the way you broke it down is perfect. Like the, the 
there's a a competitiveness that you'd like to see when a team loses that shows them that they're just a victim of right. not, victims not even the right word but just shows them that this is a natural ebb and flow in the series from the point that the Grizzlies went up 66 to 46 they were up 20 this was the early third quarter I thought the Lakers really controlled right. the rest of that game they just were a little bit too far away especially with D'Angelo Russell being incapable of making a shot Anthony Davis was missing everything around the basket they just yeah. didn't quite have the offensive firepower tonight to make up for the hole that they dug themselves but once they lost Locked in defensively in that second half, they got plenty of stops. Now, the problem is, and you just said this, and this is so important, this particular Lakers team, rest is going to be key for them. And ending the series quickly is so important because there will be long series ahead. The next series against Sacramento or Golden State, probably a longer series because the Lakers struggle with transition defense and the way that they run their coverage is going to leave some things open for the Kings guards and the Warriors guards. In the conference finals against a team like Phoenix or the Clippers or Denver, they're going to be in for a long series. Whoever comes out of the West that or East, that's a six or seven game series. So if they could buy a little, little tiny chunks of like three or four days off here or there for LeBron and Anthony Davis to rest, Huge. ending this series in five would go a long way towards that. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Firestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> you're here. You're here already. No. Uh, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The day. That's we the didn't problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and didn't realize <laughs> well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into, right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys 
This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. So, Colin, everyone was accusing us of backing up our volume guy, which I think is ridiculous because it's just... I, I don't know what I don't know what's gotten into everybody, Colin, because I feel like this is the most reasonable opinion in the world, and everyone's everyone's calling me immoral. You know how it goes. But um, <laughs> I, I could see the case for uh, for the I could see the case for the ejection. Now I disagreed with it, but I could see the case, and the case was Draymond's history. Fair. I thought the decision to suspend him was completely outrageous. Where did you land on that? The reality is if. I went up and punched you and you punched me back and you knocked me out and I just grazed you. You could say, well, he started it. And that's a real defense. If you broke into my house and I shot you and you had a terrible injury um, and maybe maybe I, I didn't need to be as violent against you, I would say he, he broke into my house, right? Sabonis got a technical and initiated the circus. Draymond pulling out then added to it but that's a real defense which is you know he swung first or he broke in or he grabbed my leg so to me that's not why they threw him out for the next game I believe at my core because Sabonis a started it and played the remaining seven and a half minutes he was fine and you know again if there would have been an injury then there's a different component But I think, and I don't blame Adam Silver for this, deep in the DNA of the NBA, the malice at the palace was their darkest moment. And when Draymond got up as a road player and started taunting the crowd and Adam Silver's in the building, I think that's a non-starter. If you're at Chase Center, it's different. But if you're on the road, Adam's there. He hears those fans. He sees the double birds. He, it's like, no way. We're not going there. That, even though I defended the players in Malice of the Palace, because if you went back and looked at the people and the fans involved, many of them had criminal records. They were just there to be trouble. I defended Ron Artest. I defended the players because I would have been terrified to be in an arena, an opposing arena. But it does matter what arena it is. You can't do that on the road in a hostile playoff environment. Jason, you just can't do it. You know, there's the old saying, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. You can't. So I think Silver being there and because, you know, when Draymond's doing that, Adam's hearing those fans and he's seeing those double birds and he's like, I'm not going there. Repercussions. Again, Draymond's a veteran. He's not a rookie. Like you could see a rookie losing their shit. You could, I mean, seriously, a 19 year old kid gets worked up. This is a wise NBA sage. You know, Draymond's been in these wars forever. So I I think it's like resume, road, inciting. Because I'm with you. If you do something first, you do have a right. A cheap shot to me, you do have a right to cheap shot back. And that would have easily been. Two technicals keep playing. But that that crowd and that even somebody said it today on my show. I forget who it was, but it, it was may have been Sam Amick. He just said, you know, if he had just run through the tunnel, it would have felt different. Just I'm out, out. It was like 90 seconds of, come on, you want a piece of me? I didn't like it. 
Well, there are things that are debatable about this, and there are things that are not debatable. Like, the debatable side of it is, should he have been suspended? Sure. You know, like, we can go back and forth about that. Here's what's not debatable. Draymond brought this on himself and his team. That that goes, like, regardless of what the decision-making process was, the risk was willingly took on by Draymond with his behavior. Um, and, and especially what you're talking about after the timeout, because again, like, and I think, I think it's a complicated topic and I know you've talked about this a little bit on your show, yeah. lately, but like the dynamic between the fans and players is super complicated because like you're heated, you're super competitive and you're riled up. And now some dudes saying some wildly disrespectful stuff from to you, like 20 feet away. And, and there's really like this barrier between you that extends beyond the distance. It's also like Adam Silver standing there between you because it could literally mess up your entire season and and everything that uh, that you and your team are trying to build towards. But again, like there's a difference between like I I think I personally would not have suspended him. That said, that's a debate. That's a that's a fair debate. There's no question that Draymond. Uh, brought it on himself it, at least at least through his decision making process and knowing what kind of history he had now with this this series gets really interesting from here i don't think it's over colin and i'm still pretty confident that golden state's going to win i know it sounds crazy but a couple of different things they kind of started to figure out some stuff in game 2 that i believe might have led them to a victory had draymond been able to stay in the game when Andrew Wiggins is on the floor and when Gary Payton is on the floor, they have straightforward matchups for Fox and Monk, and they're actually doing a decent job containing him there. Then they have to go to pick and roll to get rid of the on-ball defender, and Draymond is blowing all of that stuff up as the screen defender. At the end of the game, they had to go to Looney, and then they went to pick and roll, and Looney couldn't stop anybody at the rim. So that ended up being the problem. But functionally from the lineup, you can kind of see the two teams finding their five that works. The Kings are going with Davion Mitchell because he can guard Steph credibly, right? And then they're going with Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox with Harrison Barnes and Demonis Sabonis. With the Warriors, it's Draymond with Andrew Wiggins and then Gary Payton, Steph, and Clay. That's where they've got their lineups that are working. That's where these, te- these two teams are going to go down with the ship. If the Warriors can survive game three, which is totally possible with how well they play in front of their home crowd, even without Draymond, especially against the Kings team that can not be overly physical sometimes. If they can survive game three, Draymond comes back for game four. I believe they will win that game on the road in game five. As long as they can stay in it long enough to get to their core lineup at the end, I think they have a really good chance to win this series. This, the, as bad as Golden State was on the road in Sacramento, expect Sacramento to look just as bad in Golden State, in my opinion. Well, what I worry about without Draymond, he's a great passer on the offensive end. He's also a great screen setter. And he's, he, now they have plenty of smart players, but he does add an intellect. He's just got a real good sense. I mean, it's all this sort of, um, intellectual bandwidth the Celtics play with. When you got four guys who are on the floor for six years, like the Celtics passing is excellent. Whereas Atlanta's got a new GM, a new coach, a new system. I mean, it's just a bunch of new parts. And and I think I, I think when I watch the Warriors with Draymond, Steph, Clay on the floor, man, there are times it's just they can really read each other's minds. And that's the kind of capital that load management eats away at. It's what I mean, we've talked about this. It's why the Clippers sometimes in a half court set are painful to watch. <laughs> There's no play together. So um I if they can get through this game, I agree with you. 
Um, but man, sometimes um, without Draymond, the passing's not as crisp. The ball movement's not quite as good. You know, Clay's not a great ball handler, and now he's not a great defender. So you get two different versions of Clay. There's catch and shoot, and he's hot at home, Clay. Great. And then there's on the road, struggling handling the ball. Uh, guys blowing by him. You know, you used to kind of know with Clay that if he wasn't on, you got a great defender. Now when he's not on, you get a sometimes a suboptimal ball handler and defender. So um, his game doesn't necessarily – you'd think because he's a catch-and-shoot guy, his game would age well, but he's got to play better. He and Jordan Poole have got to help Steph. Jordan Poole's been awful in the series, awful. I agree. The, the Draymond thing is certainly a threat. And this is where I, I fundamentally disagree with the suspension. Like, make the Kings go earn the damn series. Make them go beat Golden State in Golden State. Make them beat them with Draymond. Like, especially on a, like, especially, uh, I'm getting on my soapbox again. I, I didn't like that, that suspension at all. Like, cause it, now if the Kings win the series, it's going to feel a little cheap. Uh, but, it, but it is what it is. You go know, ahead. Jason, I, I've always felt, I will always give an athlete a pass in the moment. Tom Brady yelling at a coach. Peyton Manning barking. I'll always give an athlete. They can leave their body. It's an out-of-body experience emotionally. I mean, your testosterone's going. You've been put. So the Draymond kick, it's like, I-, I get it. That's his style. He's the bouncer at the nightclub. He's the tough guy. It's the, okay, I've been ejected. Now I'm going to go and taunt the crowd. Come on, you're a mid-30-year-old player. Like, like I have a right to be mad if I'm on the air and somebody doesn't roll the tape and I'm barking. But three minutes later, I've got to go, okay, we have a show to do. Take a deep breath. Get over yourself. Let's do the show. So I that part, I'll defend Draymond in the moment. Guy grabs your foot. You stomp him back. I'll defend him forever on that. But you got to know better as a 34, 35-year-old guy on the road to get that crowd riled up. Like, that's just not the play. I... Can't argue with anything you're saying, Colin. So I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change my take. As a basketball fan, I'm annoyed that Draymond's not playing in Game Three. How about that? Right. <laughs> we'll just we'll just go with that. <laughs> so uh, that's I do I do still think I, I think that uh, if the Warriors can survive the Draymond suspension in Game Three, I think they still have a very good chance to win the series. So Clippers versus Suns. This is the series that I have been most wrong about in my um, pre-playoffs previews. I expected the Clippers to get swept. They very much did not as they went into Phoenix and stole game one. You know what's interesting about this series, Colin? The the numbers coming out of uh, of the like kind of uh, shot profile stuff does not look good for Phoenix. This is wild. So the Suns have attempted... Just 17 shots, or excuse me, 19 shots in the restricted area in this series. And the Clippers have attempted 37. So, like, almost double. And then in wide open threes, which by NBA.com is factored in as defender at least six foot, uh, six feet away, the Clippers have also generated about twice as many as the Suns. The reasons why this, the reason why the Suns won game two is what's the other shot that's available? So, if you're not scoring at the rim, and you're not making these kick-out threes to guys that are wide open, it's contested pull-up, off-the-dribble, long jump shots in the mid-range, right? What's crazy is the Suns shot 35% in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots in Game 1, and they lost. They shot 61% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots off the dribble in Game 2, and they won. And so everything for me for the Suns comes down to can they continue – 
to knock down these tough, contested pull-up jump shots. And I'm just not – I believe they'll make enough to beat the Clippers – but I, after two games, feel less confident than ever that the Suns can get out of the conference because they're just not generating enough easy shots. Well, I feel these are opposite teams. The Clippers have depth but are missing a star. The Suns have stars and are missing depth. And when they made the move to get KD, you had to give up Mikhail Bridges. That was the gem. But they gave up two other players. Um and one of those players had 28 the other night for Brooklyn against Philadelphia. <laughs> and when I watch the Suns, I feel, I said this on TV today, they're a guy shy. If you if I just said Norman Powell's on the Suns, I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're a finals team. I almost think they're tentative defensively because they know they can't get into foul trouble. Chris Paul's backup is hurt. And he may not play in game three. Booker doesn't really have a backup. Uh, they don't really have backups for their stars, and it almost makes them a little tentative defensively. Whereas the Clippers have depth, play really hard defensively. Westbrook gets in foul trouble. You can throw in Man, Norman Powell. They go. They they've got depth, so I think it makes them play a little more tentative defensively. Monty Williams knows that we we can't go to the bench early. We just can't. And the other thing is, Chris Paul's the one guy that needs a break. And until his backup comes in, who's been out, um, that's I know he may play in game three, but I think that's a big thing. Like Chris at this point in his career needs a spell. And so I, I when I've been watching Chris Paul in the second half, his his jumpers are short. He's just stuff that went in three years ago is just not there. And it's I mean, it was the other night he, he missed a couple seven, eight footers. I'm like, that was a 70 percent shot three years ago. Like just Chris didn't miss those. So I feel like I feel like to get Kevin Durant, they had to give away a bunch of picks and three dudes. If they give away two, they could be more aggressive on the defensive end. You could rest guys. I mean, they're gonna have to play Durant and Booker. They're gonna have to play them 40 minutes. That's who they are now. That's who they are. Yeah, I said this before the playoffs, and I still feel very strongly about this. Like, I have no idea what's gonna happen with this Suns team. But I do know what's going to happen this summer. They're going to sign somebody and it's going to be like, hey, listen, do you want to be a start the starting forward? Like guaranteed starting spot alongside Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre. And they're going to be able to pitch that position like that using the mid-level exception or whatever contract they decide to offer. And they are going to get some massively underpaid forward that can play on both ends of the floor that wants to just go win a championship next to the two of them. They're going to get two or three more veteran minimum contracts to kind of follow a similar similar mold, and they're going to be right. awesome next year. I feel very strongly about that. This team is kind of playing with house money a little bit um, because I, I think, that, I think yeah. the expectations are a little lower on them because of that. The minutes thing is complicated because I'm less concerned about it on the offensive end because workload matters. Like, Splitting a heavy-duty shot creation workload between just Kyrie and LeBron, that can get a little fatiguing, and you need an otherworldly athlete like LeBron right. to survive that. But like all of a sudden, you throw a third guy in there, and it's like they're, hand, right. they're splitting those duties three ways. It becomes a little more achievable. Yeah. The defensive end is where is where you hit the nail on the head. You can't win a title in the NBA without playing elite defense. You can't play elite defense without committing to devote physical resources to it. 
And when you devote physical resources to it to the tune of 44 minutes a night, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to not devote the necessary physical resources to it and coast and not reach the defensive ceiling they need to reach, or they're going to pour in the necessary effort for 44 minutes to get stops, and they're going to suffer on the offensive end when they're fatigued. So, like, that's where it gets difficult, and I, and I don't really have a good answer for them. Kevin Durant famously said this after they lost to the uh, to the Bucks in that crazy Game 7. The one where he took his toe was on the line. I don't know if you remember the turnaround right. jumper. He said, "Yeah, that, of course, he, yeah." He said this after the series. He goes, "Everyone thinks if I was one inch further back, we would have won the championship." He's like, "That was the second round." He's he's like he's like we had he's like James Harden was playing on a bad hamstring. Kyrie was completely unavailable. I had to create every single shot. He's like, we weren't winning the title that year. Like it's just too much to ask a guy to do that that much without right. any depth behind him. Yeah, I think if they get um, is it Payne, the backup to Chris Paul, I think if they get him back, um, I think that helps. You know, like there's like, I don't know what he plays, 18 minutes, 16 minutes. That helps a little bit. But I to your point, they'll get a couple of mid-level exemptions and they'll get a couple of veterans that want to win. You know, like the Heat did when they went and grabbed like Ray Allen. You'll get a guy like that that's like, man, I just want a title. When David West came to the Warriors, you know, there's a guy out there that like can give you like – 12 really good minutes in the postseason. Uh, Jay Crowder's bounced around and become kind of like that guy at the end of his career. So, and they, Jay Crowder got moved in that Brooklyn deal. So it's like, so you, you know, Mikhail Bridges, yes. And then you start moving a couple other pieces and you look up and it's like, oh, Cam Johnson dropped almost 30 against Philly. And you're like, they need that so bad. But, um, you know, interestingly, here's Denver playing tonight and nobody's watching. <laughs> and we're all just like, oh, God. And, and it, it's funny because the NBA knows by putting them on late at night, they're not going to get East Coast viewers. And I said, Denver reminds me of the Milwaukee team before they won a title. And NBA, they, they got on the noon NBA TV game <laughs> during the bubble. <laughs> it's like the league's like, where can we hide them? And I feel like the NBA is doing the same with Denver. They're like, yeah, we know they're good. Let's just wait until they play like the Warriors or Suns so we can get any audience. But I, I think they're a little like that Milwaukee team. They're kind of sitting in the weeds a little bit. Nobody believes in them. A lot of depth. They're winning in routes. You know, Denver may just come out of this thing after all. They might. I mean, I, I will say in our defense, these uh, these top seeds, the the one and two versus seven and eight matchups with the exception of the Lakers-Grizzlies have been so boring. And that Philly net series has been really boring. That said, I think we'll all be rewarded in the second round because Denver versus Phoenix, uh, you know, whoever comes out of those two Lakers Warriors series, the Sixers versus Celtics is going to be an all timer. I think whoever comes out of this, oh, that'll be great. Yeah. Whoever comes out of this Knicks series will be an interesting challenge for, for Milwaukee. I do want, before we get out of here, I wanted to, I wanted to point out two things that I find very interesting. One, one, one of which, Colin, I think you might find interesting. The Kevin, Kawhi Leonard has soundly outplayed KD through two games. Um, now, it's not over, and Kevin Durant very well. I expect Kevin Durant to play better, and I expect the Suns to win this series. But I think it's been a really interesting indicator of the way playoff basketball changes. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed over the last couple of years, and I wonder if you've noticed the same thing, strength seems to matter so much on this stage for two reasons. It's what allows you to play through uncalled fouls, which are occurring on every single possession in the NBA playoffs, like hand-checking, grabbing, holding, chucking, all that stuff. Playing through that requires strength. 
And then it allows you to inflict uncalled offensive fouls, you know, by using your off arm and bumping people off with your shoulder and things along those lines. Kawhi Leonard is getting wherever he wants on the floor in this series. And it's because he's throwing these dudes around like ragdolls. And KD, he's incredibly skilled and he's going to make shots. He made shots in game two. I expect him to make shots the rest of the series. I think KD's a better player than Kawhi. But it's so interesting to me that Kawhi's been more impactful so far through two games. And I think that strength plays a huge role in it. Kawhi is a big-time old-school player. I said this years ago, and I believe it. And I haven't heard anybody else say it, so I'll give myself credit. <laughs> I said, if you'd never seen never seen Michael Jordan play, people say, well, it was Kobe Bryant. And I'd be like, no, it's not. Kobe plus Kawhi Leonard is Michael Jordan. Because Kobe wasn't as strong as Michael. Like, if you look at the size of LeBron's hands and Kawhi's hands, Kobe doesn't have that. Kawhi is country strong. You know, Mike, Mike, North Carolina strong. You know, like when you work on your own car, right? Like <laughs> that's different. Like Kobe grows up in Italy. It's Kawhi Leonard. If you gave Kobe Kawhi Leonard's hand size and strength, that's Michael Jordan. That's what Michael always had. Now, Kobe always had better range than Michael and a better, and a better ball handler, I think. Um, and I think he, Kobe could have been a great passer, but he shot. But Kobe never had Michael's raw strength or his hand size to be able to palm the ball in 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 the air. And I think if you gave if you gave Kawhi a little better ball handling skills and a little better range on his jumper, a little quicker, slightly twitchier, he's Kobe. He's not as twitchy as Kobe without the range, and Kobe's not as strong with the hand size as Kawhi. But Kawhi is, I mean, I would have loved, Kawhi's the kind of guy that if Kawhi would have guarded Michael Jordan in his prime, Michael would have been like, yeah, that's a dog. Because <laughs> Michael, you know, my, Kawhi is like uh, a little bit like Ron Harper, where um, because Ron on the Bulls became kind of a third, fourth score, Ron was a great scorer in Cleveland with the Clippers. Ron didn't have sort of that that quite the hand size of Kawhi, but I mean, Michael always respected Ron Harper because he knew he he basically came he gave up his offense to be Michael's partner, right, and be a defensive guy. I said a few years ago, and I and I believed it. Then Kawhi sort of disappeared. Kawhi four years ago in the NBA was the best get a bucket, get a stop guy in the league. If you just said I just I need a I don't need a three, I need a bucket. About four years ago, I thought he was as good as the league had. I need a stop. I definitely felt he was the best in the league. So the only reason we've all kind of sold some stock on Kawhi is he's not available. It's not because his game's not great. Well, it's the same thing with Anthony Davis. Like, like we conflate these two issues, but like you don't judge a player by his ceiling. You judge him by his total contributions to your team throughout the entire NBA calendar. And that's where the issue has been. I, defensively, I think he's been every bit as good as he's ever been in this series. He, he, you can tell he's taken it personally. I wanted to, the last guy I want to shout out, and then we can get out of here. And I, I don't want to go through the whole, like, fit is part of it. There's no doubt that fit is part of it. The Lakers fit was clunky. That goes without saying the Clippers fit is much more natural. But Russell Westbrook's commitment to the effort and energy plays in this game, his point of attack defense on both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and what he's been doing on the glass, 
here's the thing. It's it's for no reason other than he's finally devoting his entire effort and focus to it, which good for him. But that's why it's finally working out. That said, this is what all Laker fans were screaming for when he was in LA. If he could have just done this, if he could have devoted his resources to the defensive end of the floor, trying to erase a player from the game with his point of attack defense, push the pace and just make plays for his teammates and rein in his decision-making, he could be this massive positive player for the Lakers. And it just never happened because he didn't want to devote right. his resources towards those things. That right. said, as a basketball fan, it has been so much fun watching him in this series and watching him impact winning. I don't know if you saw that play where he tried to deflect the uh, the post-entry pass to KD and he kind of got out of position. Yes. And KD took like two dribbles to the foul line and Russ just went flying in off one leg. It just like, oh, like a humiliating defensive play from Russell Westbrook. Like that's, he's always been capable of that. He could have been the best defensive right. guard in the history of the league if he wanted to. He just, it just, yes. it just, because he's that type of athlete. It just, it, it it's, Partially impressive to watch him in the series and partially disappointing that it took so long to see it, but shout out to Russell Westbrook. Well, when he first came to the Lakers, and I remember this during the summer, I said, I don't love him as a player, but with LeBron's age and the brittleness of AD, he'll give you 29 minutes of terror a night. He'll just give you a production. He like plays downhill. like, And for some reason, he was just an awful defensive player for the Lakers totally disengaged with Darvin Ham it's almost like Darvin pissed him off asked him <laughs> to play a certain role and he's like I'm out and then Ty Lu, who was you know Ty's confrontational is like bro you gotta play defense here and then he just said okay I'm gonna play defense because for the Lakers I mean he just he just didn't want to play defense and you're like he's such a great athlete but I watched him the other night he's Completely disruptive. He's like the guy in the YMCA you don't want guarding you. Oh, it's like, yeah. dude, you're sweating all over me. He's in your grill. You're just like, he's just unconventional. And he's just going a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, playing and it's super like, hard. Oh, those guys. I mean, oh, God, it's just relentless. And KD's just, you know, Patrick Beverly did that before. A couple years ago, Patrick Beverly got into, remember when uh, KD was a warrior and Patrick Beverly, the first couple of games, just like, and Katie's like, you know who I am. You know who I am. Then he came out and averaged 41 for the rest of the series. But you can get in KD for a game or two, and you can get him out of his rhythm. He'll come back and be fine. Oh, yeah. I, I, for the record, everything I said, Kawhi's been great. Russ has been great. KD is the best player in the series. He's, he's going to close the deal. volume make sure to check out the draymond green show i brought draymond green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports unique perspective understands behind the rope also chops up with guests like gary payton zach levine tracy mcgrady make sure download the draymond green show wherever you get your podcasts only on the volume podcast network What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. 
From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air? Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.